You're listening to the Over Six Sports Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Over Six Sports Podcast. This is the Super Bowl 55 recap show and weekend NHL picks. I am your host, Zach the Bandit Burke. With me, as always, the gorgeous, the sexy Cameron Charlton. How are we doing today, Cam? Oh, I'm not doing too bad today. It was kind of a roller coaster of emotion in sports this weekend. I go from Saturday super high watching Jordan Spieth be in contention again. Gets me excited <laughs> for April and the Masters. And then Heck we yeah. go, in, go into Sunday and not a good betting day for me. Hit props, but it was not a good football game overall. And that's the thing I wanted the most. Oh, so come on. Roller coaster of emotion weekend, but things are going pretty good. How are you today, Burke? I'm going, I, I'm great. And I, I think that we need a refresh on how good I am, given what was talked about on the pod uh, last Thursday. Let's uh, let's go to it right now and listen to a quick clip of my prediction of what was going to happen in the Super Bowl uh, from the end of that show. Well, we're both kind of on the same page, except for I'm going with Tom Brady and the Bucks plus three. Give me three points for the six-time Super Bowl champ. I think that Gronk is also, I think another probably should have done is Gronk touchdown. I think Gronk's going to eat. I think Brady's going to feed him. And what did I say would come true? And did it come true? Heck, yes, it came true. Tom Brady and the Bucks took down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs 31-9. And did Gronk eat? Hell yeah, he ate two touchdowns, the first two touchdowns. Mans couldn't be stopped. They basically looked like the Tampa Bay Patriots, in my opinion, with Gronk getting two, Antonio Brown getting one, and the castaway Leonard Fournette getting one. Cam, was there anybody on Tampa who, you know, who wasn't a, a castaway player who got a touchdown? I don't think so. No, not really. And it's just crazy, as you touched on, we didn't get to the Gronk, really, and yet we both put money down on him getting an anytime touchdown. So it's crazy we didn't really talk about it last week, but uh, we did both think it was going to happen. Well, when you have guys like, you know, who are, you know, when you have teams that are that stacked in talent, I mean, it's almost impossible to touch on absolutely everybody. But I don't know how we overlooked it. I mean, Gronk, lots of the Super Bowls that Tom Brady's won, Gronk has been there. He's been there for three of them with them on the Pats. And so, I mean, he didn't have that good of a year, but dang, did he show up in the Super Bowl. Well, that was the thing is he turned into a blocking tight end most of the year, and he's still one of the best blocking tight ends in the entire NFL. And that's, you compare that to Kelsey. Kelsey's not a great blocking tight end, but Gronk could do it all, and he showed it in the last game there. Cameron Brate was injured, so he had to turn into that receiving tight end more, and he really showed up when they needed him to. And I I threw money down on a couple of players. Um, we'll get to our, how our props went a little bit later, but I threw down a couple of players for, for the first touchdown of the game. I had Pat Mahomes. First touchdown, he had a couple during the year. I had uh, Mike Evans, first touchdown. And then uh, I had Tyree Kill, first touchdown. And as, as we kind of touched on, I did not see Gronk have one. I would have loved to know what the money was for Gronk for the first two touchdowns. I don't even know if there's a, I don't even know if there's a prop that you can put down for that. Um, but, I mean, overall, you know, Gronk, Gronk aside, I mean, the Chiefs they didn't even get a touchdown. So even if Gronk didn't have his two touchdowns, they still would have lost the Chiefs. Yeah, and I mean, we touched on the O-line being a massive thing, and there's just some crazy stats about it that you don't realize. One of the ones we were laughing about the other day is Mahomes had 497 scrambled yards. <laughs> like, that's just yeah. outrageous. So here's a couple of things that I don't know if you looked into at all. So the Chiefs O-line last year when they won the Super Bowl, Pro Football Focus had them as the number one offensive tackle and the number 24 offensive tackle in Schwartz and Fisher. Both were injured. They also had uh, the doctor, Duvernay Tardif, in there, who was ranked in the top 25 of guards in the NFL. You go to not having all three of those back. So then we get into another stat by Tampa, which I thought was crazy because it felt like they blitzed every time. They actually only blitzed five times on 52 dropbacks. Which it didn't seem like that at all. I mean, it it honestly looked like that scene from Pirates of the Caribbean where, you know, Johnny Depp or Jack Sparrow's getting chased along the beach and there's 
a throng of people chasing after him. I mean, the poor guy, every single time, just looked completely lost at times. Yeah, so they got pressure on 33% of the time, 18 times, and they only blitzed five of those 18 times. That's just how bad that O-line was. Ooh. They gave him no help. So even on, so what you're saying, I mean, even even if the call is not a blitz, these guys, I mean, the the, the, the front four of the defensive um, defensive line for the Bucks was just getting through almost yeah all the time. Yeah, it was crazy, and that was the thing is they could because they were only rushing four, three at times, and still getting pressure. They could just drop everyone back in coverage, so there was nobody open. They played the two safeties deep all game, which basically took Hardman and Hill out of it. And I mean, as we got there and saw, yeah. Kelsey was still available. He still put up yeah. 133 yards, ten receptions, Boo, which I kind of figured he would be. Boo. Yeah. I, I kind of figured he'd be there all day, and I called the double-digit receptions. And Yeah, he did. Give you credit for that one. That, that was bang on. Nailed it. But, yeah, I mean, when we start talking about the game, the first half, to me, it came down to penalties. Penalties was the story of the first half, and if the game changed in the second half, I maybe would have thought that the refs cost them the game, but at the end of the day, that O-line was just horrible. Yeah, and I, mean, I mean, yeah, that, which is true. I mean, I think that there was there was definitely soft penalties. Um, the one thing that I will say is, is that it kind of like hockey, if you don't put yourself in a position to, to get that penalty called on you, then you might not get the call. Now there was one that was, I think it was a PI called where it was overthrown by like 20 yards. That's probably the one to me that stands out the most. I mean, the other one was, is when, you know, Tom Brady throws the ball, double tip and Tyron Matthew, the honey badger picks it up, but it gets called back. Was it called back on a hold? Yeah, it was called back on a hold, which if you watch the entire game, why didn't they call a hold on every single pass all game? No, yeah. It was, which they, it which was, they can't. It's, you know what, and, and you and I have both, I mean, we've both been referees, you a little bit more recently with me, not football, but, but hockey. And, I mean, we know just as well how, I mean, it's really difficult, right? Sometimes you're seeing things, and we've talked about this even in NHL games, where, you know, a penalty can look like a penalty to the ref. I mean, it's really easy when you got all these camera angles, but when you've got 20, 22 guys smashing each other on the field, like sometimes things look like a penalty. They might not be a penalty in slow mo, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it is the Super Bowl, and you'd like to think that they can give them a little bit more, like give them a little bit more slack, and then let the teams decide what they're going to decide without the need for penalties. The one thing, kind of transitioning into you know, outside of the penalties. Cause I think there wasn't uh it, it did affect the, the flow of the game for sure. Um, but you know, the chiefs really didn't do themselves any favors at the start. I mean, Mahomes overthrew Tyreek. I think it was, it was the first drive. He overthrew Tyreek by five yards. And then the, the very next, next throw, it was Hardman Hardman. He overthrew Hardman by another five yards. It, it, you hit one of those two throws and the entire outcome of the game could be different, but you didn't. And the Bucks and you had adjusted. Yeah, you had three horrible drops, too. That one by Williams was maybe, if he catches that in the end zone and it doesn't hit him in the face, we're talking about that play forever. It was oh, yeah. still one of the most outrageous plays I've ever seen. Superman dive Mahomes. Like, I, I seriously don't, and we've all seen videos, you know, going around social media, and, you know, get, there, there's videos of guys, like, jumping off of ruse, doing backflips, like, throwing the ball underneath their leg and going directly to a receiver where it hits off his face mask or completely misses the catch. But it was unbelievable, some of the throws that this guy got off. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you look at it, he has a QBR of 52.3, which is the worst in his career. Yep. But if you watch that game, that's not on him. He did everything he possibly could. He ran 500 yards. There was many times in that game where I thought for sure that he was, I mean, f he looked like Josh Allen. He really did, except for the difference was, is he didn't get sacked. Like, I mean, the guy got sacked three times that game, but he did not get sacked for those 30, 30, 40 yard losses or whatever Josh Allen had and really set them back. I mean, his ability, there was one play that he got tackled on close to the sideline. The guy grabs him and he's facing the wrong way so he can't throw. And this guy uses, so as the defender's throwing him to the ground, he uses the defender's momentum and, and of him going to the ground to launch the ball 40 yards down the field. And it was almost caught. Like this guy turns nothing gone plays into near scores all the time. So even when they were down, was it 15 points at half? I wasn't convinced going into the second half that it was going to be more of the same. Um, 
But no, if they scored on that first drive and Mahomes is Mahomes, it's you th- you're thinking the game. You're like, oh, if they score there, they're only down eight. This is a game, but they didn't. And I mean, it's hard to blame Mahomes there, especially when you're looking at all these stats by him, all this running. He's getting surgery next week for turf toe. Yeah, like it's just <laughs> exactly. I mean, and we kind of t- we did touch on that earlier, and I I brought that up. I said, um, you know, in in our Super Bowl preview, I, I said is is the, his injury going to affect him? And you were kind of saying no, and obviously it didn't. I mean, if you've got a busted toe or whatever, you're not you're not scrambling for 497 yards, and that doesn't even include the yards that he actually got on the field. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is you look at a bunch of the stats and two interceptions, QBR that's terrible, no touchdowns. But if you watch that game, the eye test, he was still good. He was really let down by a lot of his team. Yeah, he missed a couple passes early. But at the end of the day, that was Tampa Bay was the better team yesterday. And we can blame injuries, refereeing on all that. But it, it all adds together, and they were the better team. Well, and Tom Brady, too. I mean, well, I mean, let's touch on him for a second. I didn't think that he had the greatest game ever. But, you know, sometimes you just don't need to. right? You don't always, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes at any given game is the best player on the field. And, you know, sometimes winning the Super Bowl, it's not necessarily about having the best guy on the field, but it's about collectively putting out the best effort. And I really feel like the Bucks game plan was was perfect. You know, they, they did absolutely everything perfect. And what we had mentioned, as we showed in that clip earlier, you know, they, they established the run game. You know, Fournette got 16 carries. Jones got 12 carries. They didn't get a ton of yards, but they established that run game and they did okay. I mean, Fournette got a touchdown. Great right? They didn't put themselves in a position that they could be in trouble. I mean, every time that they threw the ball, there, there was very few times where I was, you know, watching that, especially of betting the Bucks. There was never a time where I felt, and now maybe this is because they were leading the whole game, but it didn't seem to me, and, and, and see what you say about it, but it didn't seem to me like Tom Brady was ever in trouble. It just didn't seem like it. No, you had the first couple of drives where the KCD looked really good. They think they sacked him once or twice really early, like I think, he, I think it was one sack. I think one sack on Brady and three on Mahomes. Yeah, but it was right under. Yeah, it was right on the early there with the first couple drives of the game, and you're like, yeah. oh, this KCD came out to play too. But then you start looking at the stats of Brady at the end of the day, and like I said last week, he makes the throws when he needs to. This guy has a QBR this game of one twenty five point eight. That is the greatest in Super Bowl, ever. He went twenty one for twenty nine, two hundred yards, and three touchdowns. Like he just didn't make a mistake and that's really all you need he made the throws when he needed to didn't make a mistake and that's just what tom brady does i mean if this is if this performance is surprising to anybody then they haven't watched football over the past 10 years i mean the the guy's got seven super bowl rings for a reason i mean i mean and again he's not the flashiest guy and when he left the pats they they had said you know well pats fans were okay with it for some of them were some of them were like oh he still could have been here there's you know issues with that over there but most of the league was like oh yeah tom brady's going down to tampa you know he's just going to retire it's warm down there good for his aching bones and all that stuff and he just comes out and wins the guy is just a straight winner and i mean this is really shouldn't even be a conversation but one of the things as i said we talked about being a legacy game this is the first game that he's won without bill bill belichick and if there was ever a conversation of well you know can brady do it without bill that that conversation's over. Absolutely, he can. He's gone out and done it, and and they they won out since week twelve. They won every single game. They they've shown obviously they showed they're the best team in football. They won the Super Bowl, but I don't even think with with the quality teams that they knocked off. I mean, again, Washington aside, but the quality teams that they knocked off in the playoffs was just outstanding. Yeah, it for sure was, and I I wanted to sit here especially at halftime and just rip on the refs the entire game and. There were some uh, hot takes in our chat there. but Yeah, you were texting the the day, me just fired up. You're so fired up. And, I mean, it was the story of the first half, but at the end of the game you look at it and you're like, it wasn't the story. Brady was good. This Tampa Bay defense came out, did their job, and that O-line was just horrible. And those are the reasons. I mean, I lost a bunch of money because of it because I thought the O-line would give him enough time, but they really weren't even that good. If you well, look at all Fisher, that stats. And, and we we brought that up. I mean, as I said, that, that Eric Fisher angle, it's crazy when you get um, – and they, these are why these guys are so sought after and so highly paid because they make a massive difference, um, even kind of touching on our home team. But, like, if you look at the, the Miami Dolphins, right, a couple of years ago – 
Um, you know, when you had Jay Cutler or whoever it was playing for Miami, their offensive line was terrible. So no matter who you had as a quarterback, they were going to get smoked. I mean, even this year, Tua got smoked a lot. Now, that was partially because of his – he didn't move. He didn't run out of the pocket. wasn't super comfortable. But it just goes to show, like, with this with this Super Bowl, that if you have a terrible offensive line, whether it's injuries or whatever the case is, it, it just makes life so much more difficult for the whole team, but especially for the quarterback. Yeah, and you look at the other side, and it's really underrated part of that Tampa Bay team. That offensive line's really good. Well, Brady barely got touched. Yeah, and he had so much time. And the defense for KC, they're some of the best at drawing up some of these plays by bringing Matthew in, by bringing Sorensen into these pressures. Yep. And they got a couple studs up front. But that line just gave him so much time. Oh, they really did. I mean, and, and, and Brady's kind of one of the last guys who is that classic pocket quarterback. If you look at the new age quarterback, whether it's Tua, Deshaun Watson, um, Lamar Jackson, who's a running back, but whatever, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you look at these guys and their ability and Josh Allen, another one, um, Justin Herbert, like these are all guys who have legs on them. And that's kind of the new age quarterback. Tom Brady, I, I actually saw this hilarious prop where it was uh, some guy, the, the, the Tom Brady prop for rushing yards was 0. 0.5, 0. 0.5 rushing yards. And it and it was over obviously over under, and the guy bet over because he's like, well, what it, I mean, surely he's got to run a half a yard or like one yard. Nope, Tom Brady didn't move one foot, the one yard upfield ever. So I mean, that is the definition of pocket QB, and you absolutely need your line to hold it down, and they did an unbelievable job. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you won that, and I was wrong with the pick. I mean, we both thought it would be closer. We both had the over and. The difference between the Bucks having such a good plan and that O-line, that was the difference in the game. But I do have some positives. On the prop side, it looks like I won 4-3, to three, but we'll get into those ah, props a little bit. Come uh, on. So we had the over on the anthem. It wasn't even really close. It was 159 no. when we chose, and it was like 220. Yeah. It well, did end up... video came out. The video came out of the guy who he 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 sat outside the stadium. If anybody hasn't seen this, he sat outside the stadium while Eric Church was doing the uh, the sound check and, and doing a run through of the anthem. And he recorded it. It was two minutes and sixteen seconds. So if you got your pick in when it was a, a buck fifty nine and you said over, you know, good for you. I really hope you put a mortgage payment on it. Um, and then as soon as that happened, they pulled the they pulled that prop off the books. And then they put it back up at two minutes, 16 seconds, which the guy had recorded. Hilarious, by the way, because the guy could have literally not even could have been making it up or could have stretched it out, like did something to it. Nope. They put the line at 216. And what was it? Two minutes, 22. Yeah, something crazy. If I'm that guy, I don't put that video public. I just bet the house on it going over. Don't tell anybody it. about it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Don't tell anybody about it and just text bet your, your buddy. I'm like, bro, bro, you got a thousand bucks. Give me a hundred. And I guarantee you, you'll win a prop and you'll win, you'll clear another 600, right? That That's the play. Don't just put it out on the internet for any Joe Blow to look at it. Come on, man. So I won that prop there. So that was one nothing me. The next two props are funny because we both got what we didn't want and, and ended up was. winning. <laughs> Mahomes was under the 330 yards at 270. So I wanted the over. So did you. It went way under. Yes, win. Then Brady... You took the over. I wanted the over as well, and he went way under at two oh. one. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes... Looking back at that, looking back at that prop, honestly, I should have gone with. I should have just gone with the under because what I said on that podcast, our, our preview podcast, was basically the Bucks have to establish the run game and slow the clock down and all that kind of stuff, which they did. The only problem with this prop is if they do all that, Tom Brady's not throwing the ball very much. Yeah, but I mean, you still had the over in the entire game, so you were thinking that Mahomes would throw a ton, that which would force Brady to throw more. Yeah, so. I guess that's fair, but still, like, ah, anyway, L, big L. Yeah, so it's two on me now. Then we get into the Scotty Miller anytime touchdown. Gag. We were nowhere near on that. He did not have one target, one reception. Antonio Brown was in there, and he basically saw the f field on one rushing attempt, and that was it. Yeah, that was – I mean, it, I don't even think Antonio Brown got that many targets. Do you have the number there? I don't have the targets for him, but he did have the touchdown, so at least well, that's still – he won at least. He won at yeah, least, so for sure. That still takes the time that Scotty Miller was going to get. So 
You were taking the anytime touchdown, so that puts me up 3-1. Oh. So that puts this next prop, our fun prop, uh, Hill versus Miller. Wasn't even in question. I mean, Hill had, what, seven receptions? Not for that many yards, but he still no. had seven, which was more than nothing. So his longest <laughs> was 20. Got a, even if he got a five-yard reception, it was fine. So he did have a 23-yard reception, so you won that one. Uh, the Fournette over Jones actually was back and forth most of the game, which was, was. kind of interesting. Yeah. Jones had some big runs. Fournette was getting more time, but that one seemed to come down, especially when they went up big. You're like, this could go either way because they were still running both running backs. Yep. But Fournette did pull through, and he ended up with that. So that would put us at 3-3. And then the one that I knew wasn't even a landslide. I even called going way over and going double digits. Kelsey over 8.5. Yep. I figured they'd have to check down to him. He went for 10 for 133 yards. So yep. One thing I will say about the, the Fournette and Jones as well on the podcast, I believe that I, I had, I think the line was 13 on four net carries. And I said four net carries over, lock it up. And he locks it up with 16, even though Jones surprisingly had 12. I mean, that's something that we had touched on, right? Was, you know, the, you know I kind of had said, well, you can't give them to both, but they really did. I mean, it was really spread out. Fournette got the start. And then Jones kind of took over for a bit. Had a couple of big chunk plays, and then Fournette kind of took it home there. Yeah, he had a couple of big ones late, but it was pretty much, I mean, finished 61 to 89 yards, so it was pretty close most of the game. Surprisingly enough, we didn't have the, the streaker on the field prop. I did not see that one coming in a pandemic, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, you figure, what, half the viewers there or half the people at the stadium were healthcare workers too, yeah. so... Why were you thinking there'd be how a streaker on the field? How did this guy even field? get in? Like, honestly, how did this guy get a ticket? I, did, I know that they were selling them and whatnot, but I, man. And, there, and I don't, you did hear the rumor that this guy bet on himself, Fred Van Vliet style. Yeah, I did. I did hear that and see that he t <laughs> pulled in a ton of money doing it. So, well, I, I wasn't really sure. So just for anybody who didn't see it. So there is this rumor going around that the gentleman who uh, ran onto the field at the Super Bowl. Uh, he put $50,000 on a prop, which seems unlikely, but there is possible, there's ways that you can do it. But the story is he put 50,000 on a prop at seven and a half to one, and it would have paid out 375 grand plus his bet back. So obviously the guy got arrested, cost him a thousand dollars to get into jail. He's probably going to get a misdemeanor for trespassing. Can't come back to any more NFL games. Uh, but he's walking away with potentially 370,000 if the book doesn't take it, avoid it from him, which I don't think they should. I think it's a, that, that's a legit bet. He might have not made it on the field and lost $50,000. Well, that was the other rumor, too, is apparently he had somebody else run out there first to get caught so that he could get oh. out further on the field. I really hope he split the bet with him because could you imagine if, if I'm like, all right, Cam, here's the plan. We're just, we're just going to go and we're just going to streak on the field. You go first and we'll see what happens and I'm going to go. I just didn't tell you that there was money on the line. Like, come on. He, he must have hooked his buddy up. He, he definitely, like, they must have had a third friend that they showed up to the jail and just be like, all right, boys, I got the Brinks truck here with all our cash from the bet. Let's go. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to props, I mean, the game I lost a lot of money on choosing the Chiefs. I mean, I didn't yeah. want to bet, on, bet against either of them. I had some fun props, though. My biggest D-Gen prop was the over on the anthem plus Belichick being mentioned once in the game. I hit that. So that was fun. Did you have any really Legend. good props you had there, Burke? Uh, well, I went four for 28 on props. So that is horrendous. Um, now, to be fair, I, I didn't pick, like, there's a lot of props that I would have picked, but the odds are really bad. Like, you know, there's shit, like minus 300, minus 400 for this. Um, like, I could have gone Tom Brady, two touchdown passes for, like, minus 200. And I was like, no, nah, I think that's going to happen. That the odds weren't very good. I was just doing five dollar bets too. Like I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything extreme, because um, I had big money. I you know like I had um, you know five units on Tampa Bay um, plus three. So I was just you know playing around. Um, the one thing that I did hit that was kind of my fun one. I had Patrick Mahomes sh showed during the anthem before um, Tom Brady. So I did hit that one. Uh, and I think what I oh I hit at the end of the end of the first half it being. Was it even points? I think it was even points at the end of the first half. I, th I think I hit that one because I had odd at the end of the game because I thought it was going to be 31-28. And it uh, did not turn out to be. I was a little gutted. But um, four for 28 set props, you know, I 
I did hook. I, I did get a first time better though. That was that uh, I had got into. I told him yeah, deposit for the Super Bowl, and and he went he went ten for twenty eight. So I'm gonna have to get this guy in the show sometime and tell us what we're doing wrong here. So if we're going to next uh, NFL season, we're just gonna fade all of Burke's prop bets, that and you'll be up right. big money. Yes, it's the it'll be the fade me podcast. You just don't listen to anything. Now that being said, you listen to me when it comes to game plan and the spread because i won big there but on props don't listen to my props because they're bad i mean it's definitely been a fun nfl season i mean at the end of the day i think we both were positive money at the end of the season which is always good huge Uh, i mean we we got a few things to get over in these off season especially for being dolphins fans free agency this draft's going to be super exciting yep uh watson could be on the moves watson on the move wentz on the move I mean, we've already seen Goff and Stafford trade places, so we'll touch on those in the off season. And I'm pretty excited to get an NHL. I mean, how much I love betting on football, hockey's still my favorite sport, so that'll be fun. Yeah, as you said, we'll we'll definitely gonna have to go through, uh, you know, anything that's breaking news NFL. I mean, obviously during the NFL season, we're you know every every podcast we're gonna do picks of of NFL games. Um, you know, hockey will will be back at a time, so we'll have to mix in some of that too. But definitely break down all the NFL. But we're yeah, absolutely transitioning to to NHL, transitioning into um, a little bit of NBA. The Raps sneaked out a big win last night um, after Nick Nurse got accidentally ejected. Did you hear that, Cam? <laughs> yeah, I did hear about that. And uh, the Raps are an interesting team right now. But this is gonna yeah. Let's let's get into the second part of our show here and uh and talk about our north division nhl picks uh for this coming weekend so we're just coming off of the habs losing to the leafs the leafs sneaking out a 4-2 victory in regulation time what a game for the leafs i mean they got dominated all all game it seems like him but um just like they've done all year they're able to squeak out a couple of third period goals and and that's the difference right now yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, first game of the year, Montreal completely dominated 5-on-5. Five five. Leafs got the power plays. It was a little different today. It was the 4-on-4 four four difference. Montreal held play 62% of the time this game, 5-on-5. Five five. It was just, they had outshot them, what, I think it ended up being 35-23. to 23. Yep. Carey Price needs to make a few stops. Anderson did tonight, and that's the difference. I mean... Five on five, Josh Anderson looks like a stud out there every game, and he stands out every game. I he don't does. know if there's a better player five on five at the moment than him. I mean, he's Other not the McDavid. most. Yeah, I mean, he's not the most skilled player. <laughs> Power play was not good tonight. They didn't even really get many chances. No. But again, no, that, like I mean, my... that... sorry, I was gonna say, yeah, like I, I just with the power play, like um, I think it was a, the I think it was their second power play. I mean, they they had no shots on net. I just, I, it boggles my mind how in the NHL you're getting, and I know the lanes are tight and, and teams are, especially the Leafs. I mean, the Leafs have been okay on the, on the penalty kill. I don't think they've been fantastic. I mean, the numbers would suggest that they are, you know, that they're not the best, but in the NHL, you'd expect a team to at least get a shot on that. And, and if, especially when it's a tight game, I mean, you, you never know. I mean, look at the Josh Anderson's first goal. I mean, it wasn't a great goal. It just threw it on net. So why are you not doing that on the power play? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you're seeing penalty kills across the league really step up now and tra- start to figure out teams. Like, Toronto's is kicking at 40%, and they went 0 for 2 tonight as well. So you're seeing that teams are adjusting to the power play better than the power plays are adjusting to the penalty kill across the league. And, well, I mean, that's, some... and that's something to do with, with it being divisional, right? Like, when you're playing the same you're playing the same six teams, um, it, you know, the whole, the whole season, I mean, you're going to start to learn teams' tendencies and I think you saw that a little bit um, in, the, in the last Leafs game against Vancouver where, you know, the Leafs were, you know, scored two power play goals, I think, in both both of the first two games. And then the sec- the third game, they just – it was a different story. Um, they kept trying to run, you know, Matthews down the half wall in, in, in front, and it wasn't working. Um, and, I mean, I guess there's really no excuse in this game for either team. I mean, the Leafs didn't score on the power play either. And I think they had relatively the same opportunities. Um, yeah, I mean, both teams were 0 for 2 tonight, and – I mean, I just the two things that look at again, Montreal still looks I think like the best team five on five in the division, but Carey Price cannot get beat clean by Justin Hall and Travis Dermott by shots. Hey, that just they are, can't happen. They are NHL snipers, obviously. If you would have if you would have given me the option to say, okay, you get 
10, you, you get 10 selections. If, if, you know, you get 10 selections on the Leafs of who's going to score a goal tonight, I can tell you for certainty that Travis Dermott and Justin Hall would not have been in that, in that 10 player list. Yeah. I mean, this still watching this game again tonight. I think these teams are a step above everyone else in the division right now. Winnipeg and Calgary might be coming up close, but I just look at this again tonight and price is sitting here with like a two, eight, five goals against and a save percentage below 900 for a guy yeah. you're paying ten and a half million dollars a year. He needs to be better. Oh, I think so. And I mean, I, I look at the flip side and we kind of touched on it, but Anderson's uh, Josh Anderson's first goal was not a fantastic goal. I mean, he's off the, you know, comes in off the wing, cuts in, you know, defenseman's right there. You could argue, okay, sure, the guy's stick was in the way, but it goes five hole. I mean, you got you got to have that stop, right? And then the rest of the game, though, and you kind of had mentioned, you, you know, you texted this to me during the game. You had mentioned he, you know, had played well the rest of the game and really held him in. I mean, you can't blame the half second goal late on him. Um, you know, the defenseman, I forget which defenseman it was, but he tries to block a shot out front and just sticks the stick out instead of throwing the whole body and bounces off the stick. It's sitting there for, was it Tatar put it in? Tatar? Yeah, it was Tatar who snuck that Thomas one. Thomas Tatar. So, I mean, that can't, I mean, that, again, I can't really blame Freddie for that. So, I think, yeah, he played much better after the after the shaky start. And on the flip side, you know, Carey Price, I, you know, I can't, again, can't really blame him for the third goal, but, I mean, Dermott's really been in and out of the lineup all year. I know he's hurt. He's not playing a ton of minutes, and it was a good shot, but you still got to have that one. No, and that's the thing is I don't think he's playing bad by any means, but you're paying the guy $10.5 million. He's supposed to be your best player. He needs to step up more. You look at Anderson the last two games for the Leafs, and he's stepped up and when they needed him against Vancouver and Montreal now. He's helped get them two wins. Well, that's really helping my fantasy because at the start of the year, he was garbage, and I, I was getting just shot on in my fantasy um, fantasy matchups because he couldn't do anything. He's getting three, four goals scored on him. But on the flip side of that, I actually think that the Leafs defense, other than one thing that I'll touch on here, has has been good. I, th- I think that they've looked okay. I think that the one thing that I like from the one that I like from the Leafs that I saw tonight was um, they were really aggressive, not only on the not only on the penalty kill, but just throughout the game going after pucks. You know, they at any time, and, and this is something the Habs do really well as well, right? They're all over them all game. And I thought the Leafs did an okay job on that defensively. But what really overshadowed it for me was how many giveaways the Leafs had up the middle of the ice where they just, you know, they're behind the net, there's some pressure, and they just throw it up the middle of the ice trying to get it out. I, I mean, you and you, you know this just as well as I do. When we were playing minor hockey, the one thing that the coaches told you, especially in your own end, is never put the puck in the middle of the ice. And I don't know what's changed in the last couple of years, but all of a sudden it's just, yeah, middle of the ice is fair game now. And maybe that's because the outside of the ice is so congested, but I, I can't imagine throwing the puck up the middle of the ice in your own end all game is a good recipe for success. No, and Montreal had the same issues four on four there. They seemed to be struggling to get it out and kind of throwing it up the middle, and it was a big difference on those four on fours. Well, and I think the, the other thing with that too is, is you know, they're, they're trying to use the they're trying to use that middle ice pass. You see it, they'll, you know, they'll put it up the boards, um, you know, the defenseman will pitch down, they'll try to chip it into the middle of the ice. And I mean, it is effective on breakouts. It's, it's just such a high risk, high reward. And it, and it does work against teams. Like, I mean, they did it against Vancouver a lot and obviously it worked on breakouts. They got those odd man chances. Um, but when you're playing teams as tenacious as, as the Habs, or you're playing teams with speed, like the Leafs, if you make a mistake like that, it can go from, you know, an easy breakout to the back of your net in, in two seconds. It's, it's not, it doesn't take long at all. Um, the other thing I was going to say about, about this game as well was, and we kind of talked about this again during the game um, a little bit was, and it's really been probably like a, a theme. It has been the officiating. Um, and obviously, you know, the outcome wasn't affected by officiating unless you want to blame, you know, blame the refs for giving, offsetting penalties which the Leafs scored two four and four goals on um but it seemed to me as if if they're really they're trying to reel back the, the calls that they were making earlier in the season but it almost seems cam like they're still every once in a while they're just getting a little itchy with the with the whistle yeah it just seems so weird like they wanted to call that interference call at the end of the period I think they called the dive for a wash-up call they knew it wasn't a great call but then you look at like a play like Marner's and I'm like I don't know how it, Anderson chips it around him and he just goes full hip check on Anderson. And I'm like, I don't know how that's a penalty. It seems really kind of 
odd what they're calling and what they're letting go. It doesn't make much sense to me overall. I don't think it made a difference in this game or really has been over the season. It's just weird officiating. Well, especially, I mean, when you have teams as tight, like when generally speaking, Toronto's power play is, has been good this year. I mean, I, I haven't, don't have the actual percentage in front of me. It'll be a little lower because he didn't score a night, but they've been, they've been, I think the last couple of games were, were, were they 40% some, somewhere around there? High thirties. Yeah. So they're down to 36.6 overall, which is third best in the league now. Okay. Which is still insane. Which is, yeah. I mean, which is an unreal power play percentage. So, I mean, as an officiating crew, you know, you can't, especially when you have two teams who are top of division and you know, realistically, I mean, you and I can both agree on this. The referees should just call the game as they call the game, but that's not going to happen in this league, right? I mean, because they don't want to decide. They don't want to decide games. No, and I mean, there's a fine line, and you see it in playoffs. They tighten up quite a bit, and they don't want to be the difference. And I know, as an official for yep. like ten years now, I don't want to be the difference in a playoff game or a game that's. I know it's early season, but this is an important game and an important couple games this week that they'll play each well, other. Yeah, every game is important, right? When when you play when you play the same teams over and over and over again and all the teams other than Ottawa are at least I would say have a chance I mean there's some in the you know like who who else is in the bottom there I mean Calgary but I don't really believe that I don't really believe that Calgary is that bad of a team I mean everyone's over 500 except for Vancouver and Ottawa so everyone is just yeah, like Vancouver, I, I don't. They they show up like they showed up against that third game against the Leafs, and then but the other two nights they were just non-existent. Yeah, they played Winnipeg well, and they look okay. They're they might hang around, and I mean, if a couple other teams hang around that five hundred mark, they could play for that fourth position. Really opens up after Montreal, Toronto. I think. I mean, we could sit here and talk Montreal, Toronto all night, and they definitely look a step ahead of everyone else, and. But once we start getting into the rest of the division, it becomes a way more interesting on where everyone's going to seed. Yeah, well, and, and we'll kind of end with end the the Leafs and and Habs talk on that. I mean, overall, it was an exciting game. I'm really looking forward to Saturday's game. The Leafs are two and zero against the Habs uh, this season and won their fourth straight, um, and they move to four sorry eleven two and one, and the Habs drop to eleven three and two. So let's talk about um, let's talk about the games up this coming Saturday. So weekly on the podcast, we're gonna just when the podcast comes out on Thursday. You know, if there's back to back games, like if there's Friday games, Saturday games, we'll try to get as many as we can in. But the main focus that we're doing is just trying to figure out, okay, you know, North Division picks on um, you know on Saturday. Uh, look at the head to heads and, and make some make some picks for that, and and hopefully we can start winning some money on that. On that note, I'm actually. 2-0 and oh in the last two nights on my parlays hit the Boston Leafs money line parlay one unit uh, paid nicely and then last night I had a or two nights ago I had a 14 14 parlay that hit as well so I had a couple good nights of hockey yeah I mean we're gonna really just I think pretty much any weekend North Division stuff we'll get a hold of there's nothing Friday nothing Sunday this week Perfect. big uh, hockey day and Saturday this weekend so I think we got some weird times too Ottawa and Winnipeg at 3 p.m., 7 p.m., and then I guess the West game's probably 10. All right, well, let's do it. So who do we got first for uh, for the games this on Saturday? So a uh, 3 p.m. game is the Ottawa Senators versus the Winnipeg Jets. Where do you want to go with that one? That one is in Winnipeg. In Winnipeg, and I'm just looking at the stats here right now. So Winnipeg's on a one-game losing streak. Ottawa's lost three in a row, more than three in a row. They've lost eight in a row they're no, one they nine, up winning they? that they won that first one against the habs oh they did too yes that's right that's right yeah so they so yeah so they, <laughs> that's right the only the only two teams that have beat or that ottawa's beat are the top two teams in the league because that makes total sense um yeah i don't know i mean i think that ottawa's been really um, for lack of a better term spicy this year i think that they've made a lot of mistakes defensively and really, as a team, they ride with Matt Murray, and that, I mean, the guess could be this: the same could be said for Winnipeg. You know, if Hellebuck shows up and how good they are, um, you know, in this match, I think that Winnipeg's actually looked, you know, they've looked okay. Um, you know, they're sitting fourth in the division. They've their their win percentage is six point uh, six two five. Um, you know, their home records five two and one. So obviously they're comfortable where they are, 
Um, I think their defenses look good. I think that uh, Connors has looked good. And, um, you know, for this game, I, I'd probably take Winnipeg. I, I would. I think it's going to be close. Like, I don't think I'd take puck line, um, but I do think I'd take Winnipeg uh, money line on this one. Yeah, I think I got to agree with you with that pick. I think Winnipeg's just going to get better. You mean, I think the record's a little hurt because you trade line A and then you don't get Dubois until he's only played one game now. Yep. You still got Hallibuck back there. Their centers now are super deep. You got Shifley, uh, Dubois, and Stastny. That's yep. going to be tough to match up against for any team in the league. And Ottawa, although I think they're going to be pesky later in the year if Matt Murray can get hot, I just don't see it on Saturday. So I'm going to go money line Winnipeg with that game as well. Beauty. Yeah, I think, we're as I said, we're kind of both on the same page with that one. So the second game we got then is the rematch from tonight's game. We got Montreal and toronto this one is in toronto i believe at 7 p.m all right so here's what i said before tonight's game and we we had texted about this a couple times and i said whoever doesn't win tonight i'm taking puck line and for anybody who doesn't do hockey gambling puck line is similar to spread but they don't move the spread around puck line sits at uh, one and a half so you can either be plus one and a half one and a half goals if you're not the favorite and minus one and a half if you are the favorite um, and then obviously money lines just straight up winner. Uh, so as I said, yeah, I, I was going to take puck line. So I really could see the Leafs having a like, I mean, I think that tonight that, and again, we talked about it a little earlier, but I think that they really grinded it out, showed up in the third, which they usually do. I mean, the Leafs are outscoring opponents 20 to 13 in the third period this year. Um, so they often save it for the end of the game, but I think that, I think that Montreal is going to have a B in their bonnet. I don't, I think that they think they've outplayed them, um, the last two games and they've come away with, uh, you know, one point out of a possible four. So I think Montreal is going to be absolutely buzzing. Um, they're going to go into Scotia maker, you know, and I think they're going to take care of business. So I'm going to go, uh, Montreal puck line. So Montreal by minus one and a half. Yeah. I mean, you see it across the NHL so far, teams that are equally matched, in these back-to-back games just seem to stay so close together. So they pretty much split it. I, it's, I don't know the actual percentage, but it seems like all the time when two teams are this evenly matched. So I think that's what's going to happen again. I think Montreal is going to come out Saturday. And, I mean, they've taken it to the Leafs 5-on-5 five five all along, but I think they're going to find a way to put it in the back of the net on Saturday and pull out a win. I'm not even as confident as you are in the Habs, so I'm just going to go money line there. So that a could give you a little boost in the units there, but I feel pretty good that Montreal bounced back and get the win on Saturday. Well, as I said, the only reason I'm going puck line is because I think that the only way that the Montreal is beating the Leafs, I, I honestly don't see Montreal beating the Leafs with a one goal game. I just don't, you know, I think that if the Leafs are going to lose, um, it's, it's going to be by, it's going to be by, I know that they went to overtime the, the first game, um, but just with the way that Leafs are playing and the Leafs are scoring, if the Leafs are scoring, I think they're going to win. Like if Matthews puts a couple away, I think that they're going to win. Um, but if I'm going with the Habs, I just I just think that, as I said, the Leafs are due for a letdown. I thought the letdown game was going to be that third game against Vancouver. They were looking ahead to this game. They squeaked this one out. Um, they're due for a bad Freddy game. You saw it at the start of the game tonight. So I'm not 100% confident. I still like the money line. But I did promise that I'd go whatever whatever team lost tonight. I'm going puck line, and I'm a man of my word. I'll stick by it. Yeah, so our uh, final game on Saturday is Calgary Flames. I think they're at Vancouver. Yeah, they're at Rogers mm-hmm. Arena. At, that's late game, 10 p.m. So we got three different times for three different games on Saturday, which will be nice. Yeah, so Calgary at Vancouver. Um, both teams have the same home record. Um and Vancouver is awful away. They're two and no, I can't be right because they're they played sixteen. Oh, they have played sixteen games. There you go. So they're two and eight away, and they're four and two at home. Um, Calgary, on the other hand, is two, three, and one away. Four, uh, and then again, four and two at home. Um, I'm guessing we don't know the lines. I'm guessing that Calgary's probably going to be favored in this game. So I think there's going to be some value um, on Canucks money line. So I, I I think that you know like Pedersen scored against the Leafs in uh, in the in the third game. Um, I think it was on was on Monday. Um, and I I think that these guys are going to get going. I think I think Besser's in Horvat and 
and and Patterson are going to get going, and I think that they're going to they're going to take the t- give Calgary everything that they can, even with their shoddy defense and terrible goaltending. I think the Habs put in three or four goals, and I think sorry the Habs the Canucks put in three or four goals, and I think they take this game. So I'm going Canucks money line. Yeah, uh, I hate to agree on all three games, but I think the Canucks were on a tough road trip. You came to Montreal and Toronto, and you got spanked pretty good. I mean, they held their own one game against Toronto, but still blew it. They're too good to be as bad as they are this year, I think. They haven't got great goaltending. Some of their D hasn't shown up. But they're going to head back home now after a long East trip, and I think they're going to win and find a way to win this game and keep themselves in the division. You lose too many more, and you're going to pull way too far out. they got enough skill there that I think they're going to pull out a couple wins soon. Well, and I think they need to. I mean, they're, they're one game in hand on – um, sorry, Edmonton has a game in hand on on Vancouver. You know the Leafs have two games in hand. Edmonton has a sorry. Did I say Edmonton already? I forget. Edmonton has a game in hand. Montreal has two games in three games in hand. Toronto's got two games in hand. Winnipeg, Calgary, all have four games in hand. And Vancouver's eleven points behind the Leafs and six behind the Habs with games in hand. Like they're going to get behind the eight ball real quick. Like they if, if they don't start winning and start getting points. They're going to be halfway through the season, and it's going to be over. Like There'll yeah, be no I'm, point in playing at that point. And, I mean, you were on the East Coast, and, I mean, you look at Montreal and Toronto, and they're pulling away from everybody. But the games against Vancouver and Winnipeg, you need to start winning because those are the teams you're fighting with for the third and fourth spot, in my opinion. So this is a game that they have to get up to. Calgary hasn't been great on the road. Vancouver's been decent at home. I think that's going to be the difference in this. And it's always fun. to. I think they're going to be a dog at the end of the day, and it's always fun to throw a little money on a dog. Yep, absolutely. And I think so we're going to actually do some segments kind of throughout uh, throughout this uh, this podcast just for hockey and and mix and match segments. Um, you know, we'll throw out props and stuff. I think the the last thing before we before we head out until next week, Cam, um, just just kind of with only the, with the three games for the, the Canadian division, um, I want you to give me a goal prop for for each game doesn't have to be um, doesn't have to be from each team. I just need one player to score. Give me a give me a quick reason why, and uh, I already know who you're going to pick for the Habs, and I hope he doesn't score. I'll have scored never, um, but uh, but in that first game, um, who do you got uh, putting one away? I'm going to go with uh, the German boy Stutzel. I think he's going to he's looked so good in so many of these games, and over the last week he's really stepped up. He was the best player at times against Montreal, so I think he'll find a way of scoring one against Winnipeg on Saturday. Who do you got from that game then, Burke? Um, I, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with a new acquisition, Dubois. I think that he's kind of out out underneath of the the thumb of Torts. I think he's got the one game under his belt. Um, and I don't think he didn't score in his first game, did he? No. Okay, so I don't believe I, so. No, so he's been he's been sitting on the pine. Um, obviously, the first game coming back, you know, you're gonna be you didn't play for two weeks. You're gonna take a couple. You know, it might take a couple games to get your legs from underneath you, um, but this might be the game that I think that he, you know, is trying to prove something to his new teammates, trying to, to show his coach that, hey, you know, I, I'm a good player. You thought I wasn't working hard. You're benching the guy you traded me for, and I'm out here scoring goals. So I'll take uh, I'll take Dubois to score in that game. Yeah, no, I think that's a good reasoning, and he's going to show up, and he's playing with some good players, so that's going to help too. And then what do we got? So the next game, who do you got in that one? I mean, let's go back to the well. I think he's been the best 5-1-5 player I've seen this year. Uh, I think Josh Anderson's going to score another knew one. it. 100% knew he's, that's where you're going. He's just been so good 5-on-5, five five, and even when Toffoli went on that crazy hot streak, I told you that Josh Anderson's going to lead this team in goals, and I thought he would. He just looks so good every shift, even when he's not scoring, where a guy like Toffoli comes and goes. I think Anderson's going to finish top 10 in the league in scoring, watching it the way he does it, which is crazy because he scored one goal all last year. That's a hot take. That is a hot take. Fire, fire, notice. He's got 10 already, doesn't he? I think it's just nine, but he's just he nine? looks so good all the time. There was so many times in that game where he looked like the best player. I even, if he only had, even if he only has nine, he's two behind Matthews. So, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I, 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 I like that pick. I mean, he has been good all year, um, and, and I just think that, you know, with with the acquisitions that the the Habs have done, and you've mentioned it before, they've really established their depth. And I think with that depth and being able to roll four lines, it's giving him a lot of opportunities to play against a bunch of um, you know a bunch of different defense pairs. And I think he's really taking advantage 
um, in that game. So, I mean, I didn't think that the scores tonight were going to be Mikheyev, Hall, and Dermott. Um, I'm going to take somebody. I'm going to take somebody off of the Leafs. So I'm going to say my pick's going to be. Um, I think William Nylander. I think William Nylander's due. Um, it's been a few games since. Uh, it's been a few games since Nylander's. Uh, put one away I thought he was all over it tonight I think he still looks lazy at times but I really thought Tavares did not look that good tonight I think Tavares was giving the puck away all the time but I think next game um, Tavares is going to be better I think he feeds one over to Nylander um, and Nylander had the one-timer that he missed today for Matthew so I think that uh, I think Nylander is going to score for the Leafs and then our last game of the night who do you got for that one yeah, I want to go a couple different ways with this, but I think I'm going to go to Bo Horvat. He had a couple early power play goals in the first series against Montreal, and he's kind of got a little quiet since then. I think they're probably, if they're going to beat Calgary, it's going to be with the power play. And, you know, people are going to really try and stop Pedersen from scoring, so I think Horvat yeah. will find a way to get open and find a power play goal in that game. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean, he's been good all year. I For, for my pick for this one, I'm going to go with uh, Captain Obvious, and I'm going to say uh, Johnny Goudreau. I think Johnny Goudreau has been lights out on fire. If you've looked at him over the past couple games, I mean, this guy's scoring high re highlight real goals, not only just in the game, but if you look at the, the, sh uh, the shootout uh, that they won the other night, I mean, he absolutely, the, just the patience, the hands, uh, the vision that this guy has – um, it's almost like Matthews where you're surprised if he doesn't score on a nightly basis, but he's just such a lethal weapon that against, against Vancouver and against Vancouver's terrible defense and terrible goaltending. Um, even though I, I think Vancouver is still going to win the game. I think that Johnny, Johnny Goudreau is going to get some space and I think he puts one away on Saturday night. Yeah. He's really having a comeback here. His year last year is starting to wonder a little bit, but he's really showed up this season scored and he's just, he looks like the player he did two, three years ago. And that's nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else uh, about the North division you want to throw out there, Cam, before we head out for next week? Well, I just wanted to touch on, uh, I mean, Matthew's goal streak is finally over. And I, I, think know. He's, I think he's getting pretty tired of seeing Ben Sherrod all over him all the time. I don't think he's <laughs> happy with that. He seems to be one of the only guys in the league who can shut him down, which you wouldn't really think. I guess we'll see what happens Saturday night. That was, that would have been my other one. I, I mean, it's so obvious to just pick Matthews to score every night, but uh, I mean, this guy has just been on a ridiculous pace. So I guess we're going to see Saturday night. So next week on the podcast, um, as, as we said, kind of earlier in the show, we'll fill you in on anything that's majors happen in the sports world as we normally would. Um, you know, next week we'll do a recap of, of the games. Um, usually when we record, there'll be a few games in there. So if there's other games that happen, we didn't talk about, um, we'll kind of touch base on those, um, and do a bit of a uh, bit of an update and then we'll, uh, we'll do again. We'll do some more picks next weekend. Talk about the Habs, talk about the Leafs, talk about the North division. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at over six sports. Uh, I am Zach, the bandit Burke. And with me, as always is Cameron Charlton, uh, the most boring go golfer in the world, and I'm not going to touch on what you called me at the and beginning sexy of the episode. And gorgeous. You can find our podcast on Twitter, and you can find our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere that you can uh, download podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.